Welcome to another episode of What the Tech Am I Doing? Today, lucky episode 13, we have Rob Sackett. Huge support, awesome mentor. His energy is next level. Like the positivity um, of this man is amazing. And he's really good at developing, developing people and just like bringing the energy up in teams. So Rob runs the is the VP of Worldwide Engineering at Edwards Life Sciences. And today he's just gonna, he's luck, we're lucky enough that you came on the show. Um, so thanks, thanks for coming on, Rob. Oh my goodness, Dally, you built me up way too high. Not even enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you for having me. This is a this is my first podcast experience, and I'm glad to be doing it with the magnificent Dally. <laughs> thank you. And if you guys end up liking this one, we have a Rob and I have talked about a few talks. He's a he's a man of much knowledge. Um, so today we're only going to dive into like one area and that's, you know, kind of energy, positivity, mindset, and, you know, but we have some ideas for future episodes coming up. So, so stay tuned. If you have more questions from, you can always reach out, um, and we'll address them in later episodes, but Rob, just to start off, you have a really cool background and I just wanted to kind of level set people. So what makes Rob, Rob, like, tell us a little about yourself, how you got into working for a medical device company and kind of your, your, before Rob became the Rob we know today. Oh my goodness. Well, all right. So I'm an electrical engineer by trade, graduated from the University of Akron, and I went on active duty in the Air Force in January 25th, 1991. So if you know what date that means, that's actually about a week after the Iraq war started. It was my first day of active duty. And it just set off a series of where I was overseas deployed as an engineering officer for the next nine years. But during that nine years, I got married to the love of my life, who actually we're going to be 30 years marriage, Dally, this month. And so I got married to the love of my life that Mm -hmm. year. And we had three kids during that first nine years. And, and that's a hard life on, on a family. And uh, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to didn't want to do that to my family. And because uh, I was gone about anywhere from 90 to 150 days every day, every year. Oh, wow. And so and it's not like business travel. So that was that was a, a big decision to make. And it was in 1999, I was, I was decided to get out of the Air Force. And I was reading about, man, where do I want to work? And I was like, it was during the heyday of Jack Welch. And they were into Six Sigma. And I read all about it. And I was like, oh, that sounds like me. And, <laughs> and so I went through this hiring firm. And they had a job fair over a weekend. And I actually interviewed with 13 companies over a two-day period. Which is exhausting if you've interviewed, right? Yeah. And so I, but one of the companies, Dally, was GE. And so I was thrilled. I was like, this is great. And when we, when I interviewed, it was actually kind of funny. What kind of struck off, I'd say, a good friendship right away was I wore a blue shirt to the interview. And (laughs) at this conference, everybody else had on white shirts and like a red tie or blue tie. And I had a blue shirt and a yellow tie. 
and uh, they were like, oh, my goodness, you wore a blue shirt. And I'm like, yeah. And they said, I thought all of you military officers were supposed to wear a white shirt with a red or blue tie. And I said, we were. I said, but this is what my wife gave me. And it looks like <laughs> they were like, oh, my goodness. I, they were like, you got a little bit of rebel streak in you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I wear a blue shirt, right? But we hit it off really well. At the end of the interview, they were they basically gave me a verbal offer. They said, hey, would you like to come join us? I was like, absolutely. That's why I came to this conference. That was day one. Day two, I am loose, as you can imagine. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. I already have like a job lined up. And, uh, and I was interviewing with a few more companies. I think I had five or six interviews that day. One of the companies was Ethicon Endosurgery with Johnson & Johnson. And they said, hey, you know, we know you've been through a lot of interviews already, so we're going to flip the script and we're just going to let you ask questions. And I said, all right. I said, so I had done my homework and I said, you know, I looked on your website and it said that your vision statement is transforming patient care through innovation. Now, mind you, remember at that point in time, I'm a, an engineering officer, spent the last nine years in a lot of exotic places around the world. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean for somebody like you who doesn't have that background? And they yeah. said, well, that's a great question. They said, do you know anyone who's had gallbladder surgery? And I was like, yeah, I sure do. And they said, well, this is what you'd know then. Before 1990, they would cut you from front to back on the right side of your body, about 10 inches, lift up the liver bed, pull off the gallbladder, peel that off, and then sew you back up. And that hospital stay for all that pain and trauma was about 10 to 14 days. They said, we partnered with surgeons where we could take that surgery to just two or three small incisions that are about a half inch in length and one through the belly button for the scope. And they said, and we turned it into outpatient surgery. I was like, oh my goodness, that was, and so to me, I was like, to take it from about a 14 day hospital stay to almost outpatient surgery, it was just incredible. Unreal, yeah. And, and I was sitting there, Dally, and this is crazy, because think about how many interviews you've been in. I almost <laughs> started, like, tearing up. And I was going, and I'm, like, giving myself self-talk at the point. I'm like, all right, Captain Stack, get <laughs> yourself together. So I got all this self-talk going on. And, and the reason why I was getting so emotional was I, when they told me that the innovation came out in 1990, 10 years prior in 1980, when I was 12 years old, my mother had died after that open gallbladder surgery. And so I was saying to myself, man, mom, this could have saved my mom. Yeah. And uh, I was like, at that moment, I was like, all right, I'm not going to work for GE. I'm going to work for this company. And I was like, I better get my game face back on. I'm like, no more losing. Like, Let's go. And so I got, I got really focused and, and, uh, and the interview went really well. And I was just just thrilled to be able to join. I ended up joining the company and spent almost 20 years at Johnson & Johnson wow. in, in many different uh, capacities. But and then you but you should probably and then I joined Edwards just two years ago. But I'm sure you're saying to yourself, well, Rob, with that kind of a connection, how in the world can you leave <laughs> J&J? Right. And um uh, to be honest with you, so this is what's interesting. So in 1980, my mom was only 33 years old with three kids. 
And uh, she was sickly growing up because when she was, uh, I think, around 16, she contracted rheumatic fever. And one thing rheumatic fever does is it actually attacks your heart valves. And so when she was 23 in 1970, she went into the Cleveland Clinic and got a heart valve put in, which at the time was probably in Edwards heart valve because they were one of the few making them at the time. <laughs> and so okay. I was, to me, it kind of feels like my whole career now with Edwards is coming full circle. And uh, I hope to meet my mom in heaven someday and, and say, Hey mom, you shaped my entire career. And so for me, that's, that's a little bit of background of how I got into med device. I love that so much. It makes it, hearing your story too makes sense why you're so passionate when it comes to work because you have this story behind it you have your why and it just drives everything you do and and it's obvious it's so true Deli and I think I know you talked about that too you were saying hey let's talk about energy and what I bring to work and you know I had a, a meeting this morning with as you know, we're going after critical control points. And we can talk mm -hmm. about that in another podcast. But it's basically saying, hey, let's control variation in all mm -hmm. of our product lines, right? And we are actually having a product recall for one of our devices. And I was talking to the critical control point advisory board, which is about 30 people on a call this morning. And for 30 minutes, I was just going you know, laying my heart out there about <laughs> how we've got to double down our efforts because what is so, what was so disturbing for me was like, we're having a recall on a certain product mm -hmm. and we are in the midst of actually implementing critical control points oh. right now. We just didn't get there fast enough. And so I've got this burning desire to get every product line we have immediately up to the best possible situation we can get it with just critical mm -hmm. control point methodology so it's i don't know dally i've got probably i'm 54 this this year i got six years left to work and i'm going man i can see the horizon and I'm going, <laughs> I've got, i gotta work hard and work fast every single day i love that i also like how and this is your personality with everything you turn it all into a an opportunity like you retiring, you know, within the next six years, you're like, this is an opportunity for me to work harder now. <laughs> and, you know, the recall happening, you're like, this is an opportunity to motivate us to, you know, speed this process up for all our other products. And, and even, you know, the two of us were in a meeting recently and, you know, we didn't get some favorable data. And you're like, this is awesome. We're learning so much. <laughs> and I love how no matter what it is, you're, you spin it into a positive light and you know it's said that you get more of that and so by you focusing on opportunities and that positive energy you're finding that in everything even if some other people might see it as negative where it just shows that you know the same if you're focusing on negative you know you can easily pull negative out of everything just like you can easily pull positives out of everything but I love that you're always able to do that so that's awesome it's so true, Deli. I think you hit on such a key point because it goes towards resiliency. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't care who you are. 
you're going to face hard times and hard experiences and hard circumstances and how the perspective you have in those times matters mm-hmm. greatly because I think it's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy for yourself. Yes. I mean, you think about it like you had a, a broken leg and I know you played soccer, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine that you're, you know, you're playing soccer, Dali, and then you are, you know, the star of the team of your college team. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, and you're going into your senior season and you break your leg first game you would be devastated, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that, like say, let's say you were going in there too with high expectations. Ah, oh, man, we're probably going to win this year. We're probably going to win the championship this year. And I got a good shot at being the league MVP, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you break your leg. You can have, I mean, immediately, what would the perspective be? The perspective, you could take it down to the bottom of that perspective and say, yeah, all right, all those hopes and dreams are over. Mm-hmm. All right, it's, you know, I can... I'm going to, you know, I'm sad. I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to be lonely because I'm not going to be around my teammates. Or you can say, all right, it's an opportunity. It's an Mm -hmm. opportunity for me to spend time mentoring the the freshmen and the sophomores and on the team and really maybe help that rising star. And and we can become even a better team because we've overcome even harder odds. And so, and if you stay at the bottom of that perspective, you probably are going to, you know, you're going to stay depressed and you're going to stay there. But if you stay at the top of that perspective, man, you can, you can really do a lot of damage, so to speak. <laughs> That's so true. I always like to remind myself that life happens for you, you know, like you get to, instead of being like, oh, I have to go do this. You're like, no, I get to do that. Like life you know, that happened, it, that didn't happen to you, like that happened for you. And I think that's a bit of what you touched on is, okay, well, you know, what can I make the most of this situation? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. So what do you, what do you, like you wake up in the morning, how do you, because I think some people are going to listen to this and be like, easy for you to say, maybe, you know, if yeah. there's someone who doesn't, naturally carry that energy or positivity they might say yeah like it's just a mindset easy for you can you what do you do in the morning that's different or things that they can do throughout their day to to get to that place if they're not there right now such a great question because i think it starts right there i mean so first of all you know i get up no later than 0400 4 a.m. Right. <laughs> no matter where I'm, no matter what time zone I'm in, I'm up really about 4 a.m. <laughs> and because this is my perspective, I'm going to get to work. I try to get to work by about 6 a.m. And I've got two hours, two hours to start my day. That's a lot of time. And so the very first thing I do is, you know, I have a, a deep faith in God. So the first mm-hmm. thing I'm going to do is I'm going to connect with God. And I'm going to read a portion of his love letter to me in the Bible. <laughs> and I'm going to go, hey, what do you got? What, do you, what are you telling me today, Lord? Or what are you correcting me on today, Lord? What are you encouraging me? What are you inspiring me? Where are you, where are you shaping me? Where are you guiding me? And I'm, and I'm listening for that voice first. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm working out. 
So every day here, 54. I mean, my workout today was a 15-minute yeah. EMOM. So that's every minute oh, on the minute. Nice. Three pull-ups, seven push-ups, and nine sit-ups. And uh, that was today's workout, right? That's and awesome. I think the combination of starting the exercise of my mind and my soul mm-hmm. is absolutely critical. And then moving it to my body. And then, and then I push it right into, Hey, let's go right to work now. And so in two hours from four to six, that's a lot of time mm-hmm. right, to do all that. <laughs> I can lounge through that time. You know what I mean, Dally? So I, yeah. got, I got time to, to take it easy, but that's my mornings. That's what I start with. I, and it's, it's consistent. It's every day like that. And even if it's a Saturday or a Sunday, I'm still doing that same thing. And my wife was like, you're crazy. but that's what has discipline in my life has been just critical and i'll tell you my life hasn't been roses i I grew up i will tell you this my dad was an alcoholic a bad alcoholic where you know he he worked for general motors and i remember he didn't even work one time when i was about 14 he didn't even work for a whole summer and then like the union leaders come to our house and we're having a tough conversation with them going, look, they're like, look, you don't have to come. You don't have to come to work sober tomorrow, but you have to at least show up and say you have a problem and we'll put you in rehab and be able to keep your job. Wow. And so he did, you know, and, but, and then he did that three more times in his life. So mm-hmm. he was in and out of rehab as an addict you know, with alcohol oh, multiple times in Dally. I'll tell you what you talk about smart people. Like think about like, like who we know, Jeff Bargaman. Wouldn't you say like he's mm-hmm. one of the smartest people we'd know, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Super smart. Right. I can guarantee you this. My dad could talk on any topic that Jeff could and probably at a two times higher level. Wow. And it was incredible how intelligent he was, but If I look at his entire life, I would say he wasted all that potential that God had given him. Mm -hmm. And he almost destroyed his family in a lot of ways, too, Mm -hmm. because he had he had a lack of discipline. He also had a he had an addiction that he just he really he he suffered with his entire life and never Mm -hmm. overcame it fully. That's right tough to watch too as a young child it is it's hard it's hard to see you know you see you see the good and you see the bad in your parents and you go man and i think that scared me a lot too mm-hmm. it scared me into saying man i gotta i gotta double down <laughs> right I gotta, <laughs> I gotta make sure i don't go that's why military life was great for me at first too i really took to that like a fish to water but it really i think discipline in my life has been just a blessing yeah. So what did you tell yourself for people who might be in a similar situation where maybe they don't have the best at home situation or they've got, they're going through something similar right now? What, what did you tell yourself at the time or even wish you told yourself at the time to, you know, now you're looking back and you're, you had a great perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you give that advice to someone else? In that it, scenario? It's hard. I'll tell you, when I was 12, when my mom died, I remember, uh, and then growing up in an alcoholic home and all that, mm-hmm. it was, it was hard. And what I 
told myself during those times was I'm getting out of this small town. I grew up in a town of about 8,000 people and I'm like, I'm getting out of this situation. And I played sports. I played all sports, football, basketball, baseball, ran track. But Mm -hmm. I would tell you, I was good in math and I was good at school. (laughs) And I was like, I just almost had straight A's. I was think I was fifth in my class out of high school. Wow. And, uh, but I just poured myself into even back then into what I was doing. And I was like, I got to stay focused and keep and have a hope. I had a hope of, I had seen, you know, the young men and women ahead of me where they were getting scholarships to go to college. And I remember saying this to my dad, this is a crazy story, dad. I said, I came home when I was a junior and I told my dad, I had a conversation with guidance counselor. And I said, Hey dad, I said, I'm going to, I said, I'm, I'm going to go to college. And his first <laughs> words were, don't expect a blankety blank dime out of me. And I'm like, oh. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, like, I'm, I'm just telling him, just excited. Right. Yeah. And he goes, well, what are you going to go to college for? And I said, electrical engineering, which I thought he'd be proud of because he was an electrician mm-hmm. and uh, he had taught me a lot. I was like his, I was his unpaid labor. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned a lot during that, but as an apprentice, I'd say, yeah. and, uh, but his response was, why do you want to be an electrical engineer? The dumbest people I know at the plant are electrical engineers. Wow. <laughs> and I go, I go, dad, how can you say that? And he says, well, I'll tell you. He said, they go and get a four-year degree. And then you know what happens? General Motors gives them to me. And they say, hey, train this person for an entire <laughs> year. <laughs> he goes, so how smart are they? <laughs> so but i you know just in taking it back to the real question you had i had a hope i had a hope of where i was going to go and we all can have hope in this mm-hmm. life there always is you know god's given us a great gift you know to have life and mm-hmm. uh so there's there's hope in whatever situation you're in and mm-hmm. so you got to look for it if you're going to focus on on the negative circumstances of it, then, yeah, that's one thing, you know. So, I mean, if can I divulge one more thing, if that's okay? Always, so, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the Apostle Paul, he was an apostle 2,000 years ago, and he wrote a letter from prison to the church that he had founded in Philippi. And it's, it's written, oh. it's, it's documented in the, in the book of Philippians. Mm-hmm. And in the first chapter, one of the first things he talks about is that how he's in chains for God. And he's going, this is a good thing. And that's always impressed me because <laughs> I'm always like, I love this guy. And I said, you know, your greatest uh, place of imprisonment, no matter what that imprisonment is, whether you're chained to addiction, you're chained to poverty you're chained to you know, a bad marriage uh, or you're chained to a health condition, you're chained to whatever, that greatest, that place of imprisonment could be your greatest place of ministry. Wow. Where you can help others and you can serve others. And that's, that's what Paul said, basically. Now I'm, I'm paraphrasing his words, but you can look it up. Philippians one verse 12. And it's a, uh, to me, that's inspiring 
and I go, we can find hope even in the worst of situations if we're not just focused on ourselves. Yeah. Wow. I love that a lot. I'm glad you divulged more. <laughs> Good deal. It is, and it's interesting because I think the most positive and kind people, and I can look back to my whole life, have always been people that went through adversity and true challenges. And there's, it's, it clearly shapes people. Cause if you have that, you look back and you're like, no, this isn't that bad. You know, like here's the positive, here's the light. And, and it's so interesting because it's the people who went through the toughest situations that have that perspective, which shows that it's, it's not the situation. It's, it's the mindset and it's the person and it's how you are going to deal with that and, and be resilient and move forward. Such a great perspective, Dally. I'll tell you what, you know, and I think God knew how to keep me humble too. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, <laughs> I, there with all these circumstances, I had a crazy upbringing. Absolutely. I told you a little bit about my dad. I mean, yeah. and you know, I had a sister who, um, was pregnant as a senior. I was a junior in high school. So, you know, in a small town, you can get made fun of a lot for all that type yeah. of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it's just, there's a whole litany of other things that happen, you know, but I'd say it's, you know, when, when these things happen in your life, you can, you can reflect on it and you can say, poor me, or you can mm-hmm. say, okay, that's good. <laughs> I tell you all those, all those experiences that I've had where it's been somewhat crazy and we get, and I know maybe in the subsequent podcast, we can just talk about like family history because my tree is <laughs> wild. But I was, when we talk about that, I think what it's done for me, though, over the years, if I reflect on it, is that I don't know of a person, and I've been around the world, like with the military and with work, mm-hmm. I don't know of a, of a person or people group that I can't relate to. <laughs> and I, I, and I go, that's such a blessing to me. And that, I mean just being accepting of everyone. And even when it, I mean, I was having this discussion uh, recently when it comes to God and faith. And I know, you know, some people might not believe in that, but if you look at a lot of the religions, there, at least most of these practices, if it's praying, that's now linked to meditation now. Like they say meditation is good for you. Taking a moment to yourself reflecting like all these things even if you uh don't believe in religion like the practices coming out of it are so beneficial for you no matter you know what what you do believe in that it's like meditation's good being a good person like you know these things it's it's so humble it's just a humbling experience and if you're able to get into that state and I think that's why you getting to that state early in the morning it's very it humbles you it centers you and then it sets forth the the pace and the state for the rest of the day, you know? Absolutely, Dally. And I couldn't imagine it without it. And it's it's such a hard thing. I tell you what, I see people, you know, that are uh, struggling, you know, and mm-hmm. I've been around people like that a lot that are struggling. And this is what I've come this is what I've come to believe. Everybody wants to be happy. They, mm-hmm. everyone want everyone wants to be happy and 
and I'd say, and then you could, and then you should, you should give me the argument, right? Jolly should say, well, what about a person who commits suicide? And mm-hmm. I'd say, even that person wants to be happy. They're saying my life is so miserable. I'd rather I'd be, they're making a mental conclusion. I'd be happier dead than alive. Right. They want to be happy. happy. They want to be happy. And I say, man, we have a, we have an opportunity, right. Mm -hmm. To help a lot of folks. And so you and I, especially when we get, we're blessed and we're working for Edwards life sciences, doing, (laughs) doing amazing things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, especially you, you, you're on the ground floor of engineering some (laughs) tremendous projects. The atrio set tossed to me. I'm like, come on. (laughs) It is. I feel so, so lucky. But even myself, I've, as you know, I'm still young in my life and in my career and everything. And the more I talk to people like you and get deeper into things that benefit my mindset, the, and I've always been a happy person, but the happier I get. And one of the biggest shifts for me, especially being someone who is a high, like, I'm a high achiever. I, crave that and even on the weekends like did I do anything today Mm -hmm. um but the moment I realized like what you said that the the purpose of life the key one of the key things to everyone's life is they want to be happy and we do all these things because we think we need a we need to be successful we need to be whatever it is we need people to look up to us whatever it may be like you just need to be happy and put kindness into the world Yep. And once you change your mindset towards that, things will come, success will come that, you know, my mom always says, if you, if you count your blessings, God will give you more. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the more you p- stop focusing on how successful the monetary value, whatever it may be. The, and the more you just say, what's going to make me happy, what's going to put kindness into the world. I think the better, the better life just becomes, you know? I totally agree. I think, uh, and I think the more you focus on yourself, the harder it is to be happy. Yes. I, I don't so see true. selfish people walking around going, I'm, I'm thrilled. seems like they're just more selfish, right? They're like, I <laughs> need more, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it is, it's, uh, there, I was listening to something recently. There's a chemical, like you, chemical, I don't remember what gets released when you put, take time out of your because you can't get time back when you donate your time to things chemically you become happier when you when you are do things for others you chemically things are released that make you happier which you know there's science behind what you're saying i like that (laughs) yeah i think is it endorphins i don't know we'll have to see it was it was between there was um and i'll have to figure out what podcast i was listening to but it was how to get endorphins, serotonin, and dopamine, and when they're released for different activities. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. So, because I actually studied the brain in a lot. I in my master's degree, I got a master's in engineering and environmental management. But I'm like you. I'm like, I'm like, I got to go high achieving. So I actually did my thesis work in the College of Electrical Engineering under mm-hmm. artificial intelligence or neural Ooh. network analysis at the time. And the instructor that I had, my, my advisor, Dr. Steve Rogers, right, <laughs> which is a cool name because that's the name for Captain America, right? <laughs> and, uh, but Dr. Steve Rogers, man, he was awesome. He, he, uh, 
he would have us study all these wild brain studies and uh to and to say this is what you're trying to model and mm. uh and it was and it just it opened my mind to thinking about things like that a lot more leave us with one piece of advice for the audience for young individuals developing themselves one piece of advice i'd say everyone can be great because everyone can serve that's a quote from mr dr martin luther king and, <laughs> and i think he knew how to serve amongst more than just about anybody and and he talked about service being the the hallmark of greatness and i'd say we can all do that yep. i couldn't agree more well thank you so much for coming on the show oh my goodness have some more uh but this was awesome and i think people are gonna if get a good listen out of it hopefully feel more positive and energetic throughout the day and just inspired so i'm really happy you're able to come on and sounds like we're gonna have some more episodes coming up with you and let's and talk take more. Your let's mind talk talent. more let's talk six sigma let's let's talk neural networks let's go Thanks for tuning in to another episode of What the Tech Am I Doing? As always, let us know your feedback. Please follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to this. Make sure to like and subscribe so you're notified when new episodes are coming out. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time on What the Tech Am I Doing? Thank you.